Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, it's an NFL draft primer. Neil Stratton of Inside the League joins for more than half an hour. We talk about a lot of NFL draft stuff. Kyler Murray, all the Ole Miss guys, all the defensive linemen in the draft. We talk uh, some big picture NFL as well. The Browns, Chiefs, Bears, Saints. So a lot of NFL uh, content coming your way here on the Beer Garden. First, let me tell you about the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West. Uh, in Oxford. It's uh, located just next door to the Oxford Exxon. We always tell you you can fill up at the Oxford Exxon and then fill yourself up at the Oxford Crystal. Get 10 crystals for $6 this weekend. If you're watching the draft, uh, watching the NBA playoffs, whatever the case may be, it's all there. You get five for five fifty-five. Pick any five for five fifty-five. Uh, they have the $3 square meal, as always, the scrambler breakfast bowls with the uh, fresh cracked eggs. It's all there at Oxford Crystal, Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what new Ford you're looking for. He'll have you hooked up with a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Then the rest is up to you. Um, you, uh, you get great service, great delivery options. Uh, Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove it to you. 662-257-1900. Tell him that you heard about Clark Ford here on the Beer Garden. You'll save $500 off the already great bottom line at Clark Ford in Amory. We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's more than 30 years old. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. So ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float-down option. It allows you to lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. Send him an email, jlowe, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. We're also brought to you by Strategic Partners and Media. SPM's a full-service advertising agency. Works with businesses of all types, big or small. Fortune 500 companies to startups. SPM helps your advertising needs for TV, radio, print, every facet of social and digital media. And here's why SPM's really good, different than other ad firms. They handle everything in-house. They don't sub their work out. The writing, the production, the editing is done solely by their staff, crafted uniquely for their clients. And it's an Ole Miss grad and a Mississippian that's a partner in the firm, so give them a call, see how great they are. Reach out to them at austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. Again, austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, 662-259-2999. Get in touch with Greg Jones. Let him know what you uh, want to have set up. Coming in this weekend for Double Decker for the Texas A&M Series. You want to throw some uh, awesome uh, fresh cuts on the grill He'll have them ready for you, or you can go in and browse, whether it's uh, the French cut bone-in ribeye, uh, the uh, tenderloin, uh, filet, uh, their stuffed chicken breast, uh, all the different flavored uh, half chickens, uh, the 
bacon wrap, pork chops, uh, fresh fish from the Gulf. They've got it all there at LB's. All the sausages are fantastic. The lamb sausage, I can't recommend it highly enough. It is terrific. So uh, go in and check them out. Make sure you tell Greg that you heard about LB's here on the Beer Garden. We would appreciate that. And now we uh, head to the uh, Patterson and Earhart hotline and check in with Neil Stratton of Inside the League. Take a listen. Neil Stratton joins us. Neil, welcome into the show. Glad to, uh, glad to have you here. Neil, always an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be here. Um, and it's a exciting time to talk football, obviously. It is. It's an interesting time. Before we do that, I know that uh, you've written a book that it's it's pretty specialized, but I know you put a ton of work into it, and there might be uh, there probably are some people out there listening to it that would find it interesting. I know they can get it on Amazon. I think how how can uh, how can they get your book? Well, it's called uh, Moving the Chains and a Parents Guide to the NFL Draft Process, and it's written for anyone who's interested in kind of the game behind the game when it comes to the NFL Draft, the All Star Games, the Combine, and how the invitation process works and how agents. Uh, figure into it and how scouts operate and all those kind of things and it is available on Amazon if you are one of those parents who has a kid who's an exceptional athlete and you think the NFL might be a possibility for you it's never too early to start learning and um, it retails for less than twenty dollars I think it's twelve fifty um, so if it's something that if it's it's a quick read and we don't use a lot of big words if the NFL draft process is something that interests you especially if you you might be a player someday i encourage you to check it out all right the nfl draft starts on thursday it's always i don't know i don't know what it is about the draft i guess it's the hope that comes with the draft everybody loves the draft um i'll start with just the obvious question which is arizona's on the clock and can you talk me into kyler murray as a first overall pick in the nfl draft man i tell you this morning I was at the gym and I was thinking about this and about two months ago, maybe three months ago, when Murray was still trying to decide if he's going to end the draft or not, I reached out to several of my friends in scouting. I said, what do you think about this guy? And it was fascinating because some of them said, he's short, short. There's no way we would take him. We may take him late and try to turn him into something else. He's a great athlete, but he's not a quarterback. But some guys were already starting to say, this guy's exciting and he's going to change the way the game operates and we would have to think about him in the first round. No one was saying number one overall, but as we've gone forward and obviously Cliff Kingsbury is a different kind of coach and he's got a different kind of offense that he's bringing and the guy that he's replacing got one year to prove himself and it didn't work out, if I'm Kingsbury, I have to do it because he's only coming in for one reason, right? And that's to put points on the board. If he doesn't put points on the board, he fails. Josh Rosen is not the kind of guy that's going to run the offense that he wants to run. Rosen's really more of a kind of a classic drop-back guy. So he's a guy that's probably got a short leash and is completely unproven on the NFL uh, side and needs to have results immediately. He's probably got a draft uh, Tyler Murray. And I think the conditions are right for him to be able to do it. I think a Steve Kime, the GM, all things considered, would never go for this. But given the fact that Kime has been weakened for a number of reasons, lack of success, the last head coach he 
hired was not uh, exactly, obviously wasn't the answer, as well as the fact that he got a DUI that was really ill-timed. Um, I think right now Kingsbury's got all the iron in that uh, as, as that team, so I think he probably gets to make the pick he wants to make, and I think he takes Murray. If you're Cliffs Kingsbury, you're sitting there in the Arizona war room. I mean, you're a Texas guy. I know you're, you've are been there a long time. Uh, he's from there, all that stuff. Do you take Kyler Murray? I think you do. Okay. I think it's a changing game, Neil. I think that you've got to be ahead of the changes. You know, I, I, don't, I guess the Chip Kelly experiment wasn't exactly a success. But that's the direction that the college game is moving. And if you if you look, everyone talks about how, well, the NFL kind of drives the train football-wise. That's not true anymore. College football is what's driving the train. And then where the innovations are taking place and where people are taking chances and it's kind of the, the lab of football, so to speak. And then as these players turn into – as these systems are proven and become more accepted – then they move up to the NFL game. And I think if you're going to be progressive and you want to be on the edge rather than on the back of it, then you've got to take some chances. And if you're the Cardinals, you probably need to. That's probably doubly true. So I think he's probably – this probably makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't have said this four months ago, but the more I thought about it, the more all the cards have fallen – you know, the dominoes have fallen in a certain way, I think it does make sense. The the two knocks on him, his height, actually there's three knocks on him, his height, uh, which is legit. The second one, which is kind of silly, but it shows you that we still get hung up on silly stuff, is, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't blow away, you know, the some of the tests and things. He doesn't blow away the blackboard, right. supposedly. And then the people that, this one's interesting, Everywhere he's ever been, really, he's won. They don't know how he would, quote, deal with adversity. I don't – it's a weird, complicated sort of a thing. What's what's the drawback on if, – if there's one thing that scares you the most about Kyler Murray, is it is it stuff that's on the field or is it stuff that's uh, – that just is he's just his physical stature? I guess it would be kind of the last thing you said. It's funny how we go to the NFL draft process and everyone tries to think of a reason why people – why players will fail. I mean, it's everyone's trying to figure out. Well, here's why this guy is not going to make it. Um, I, I have we have looked at inside the league at a lot of players. <clears throat> as, again, as the drafts evolve, as the games evolve, as more and more players leave early, you don't see as many players. Or it's almost becoming rare to see a player who's a three-year starter, who's got a proven track record of success, who's had to face adversity and has overcome the adversity. Kyler Murray came in had a incredible season, won the Heisman, but just one year. I mean, he went to A&M, limited playing time, didn't win the starting job, maybe he should have, whatever, doesn't matter now, goes to Oklahoma, sits for a year, has a lights-out season, and goes in the draft. What happens if he gets hurt? What happens if he um, goes into an offense, if, if Kingsbury doesn't exactly tailor the offense to him? What happens if he gets in a situation where he's throwing a lot of interceptions and he doesn't bounce back? We don't know because he's only had one year of success in college football. It was an incredible year, but it was still college football. It was in a conference where we all know everyone puts up points. We don't, you know, we haven't seen that, I guess, 
I mean, I guess I'm kind of old school, but we haven't seen him tested. We haven't seen that, that body of work that I think makes him a much safer pick. To me, that's the biggest drawback, more so than the height. All right, let's get into some of the rest of the draft because I, I, I think there are multiple teams that face fascinating decisions. Uh, one of the first ones that really comes to mind, I mean, I think, I, I, I think assuming that uh, that that Murray goes number one. You're going to see Bosa and Allen and Williams and and <coughs> the other Williams, Quinnen and then Greedy, in some shape, form, or fashion, may basically fill out the next four picks. Um, maybe Devin White gets in the mix there. I don't know, but I I, I generally think that's that's what's going to happen there. Um, the the real interesting spot that comes up next because it's a quarterback league and everyone talks quarterbacks. The New York Giants are on the uh, they have two first-round picks. First one's at number six. Um, they've Eli is going to finish his contract there. It's the last year of his contract. I think most everyone believes this is his last year in a Giants uniform, maybe his last year in an NFL uniform. <clears throat> Do they go quarterback right here? You know, I don't have any insights on what they're thinking, what Dave Gettleman's. True feeling is about Josh Rosen. Um, I, it seems to me that Gettleman is just a little bit of a contrarian, and it almost seems to me that when someone, when the vast majority of people say, "Well, you got to do this," he's inclined to, to to not do that. I mean, he got rid of Josh Norman in Carolina. Um, you know, he's made moves throughout his career that people kind of scratch their heads about. I don't know if he takes a quarterback. If he takes a quarterback, I don't know who it is. Is it Haskins? Maybe. Um, here's another guy that's got a one-year track record. Um, you know, is it Locke? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's a nice quarterback. I don't know if he's – I don't know if I love him. I don't know if anyone loves him. Um, See, here's what's he interesting. Here's what's interesting to me. Know. Yeah, you just you just hit it. What's interesting to me about the Giants at six, and I'm not a Giants fan, I just find this interesting, is if you force it with Haskins at six, you pick again at 17. Locke probably is still going to be available at 17. There's a lot of similarities between Eli Manning and Drew Locke. I'm not saying that that Drew's going to have the same career that Eli Manning did, but I don't know that there's this massive fall-off from Haskins to Locke and yet, right. sitting there at six, there are some players that I mean. Let's say that I got my uh, I got my projections correct. Jonah Williams is sitting there at seven. You could take him at six. Um, I mean, he's a he's one of the best offensive tackles I've seen in the college game. He would right. would uh, would would be a, a big pickup for uh, the Giants' offensive line. Whether you're protecting Eli Manning or whoever you're protecting. Um, Devin White's there. He's an impact defensive player. Ed Oliver's there. He's an def- impact defensive player. Um, Devin Bush. I'm just kind of naming guys. I mean, you want to go wide receiver? Uh, it's probably a little early for DK Metcalf but or A.J. Brown, but they both would be there. My point is it feels like if you take Haskins at six and you're not completely sold, you just forced it because he's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And – I don't think history has shown that it's smart to force that, that position, but history has also shown there's one position where there's inflation. It's always quarterback because every team thinks, well, hey, look, if we just get this pick right, 
It can mask a lot of weaknesses. It can move the needle for us, you know, aggressively. So that's kind of the, I guess, the 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 risk that you weigh when you're talking about a quarterback. And I, you know, again, without being privy to the Giants' draft room, I don't know how they truly feel about Dwayne Haskins. I don't know, you know, I don't know how they truly feel about Josh Rosen. They may be just trying to drive the market down. Maybe they make a deal on Thursday. And they pick up Rosen. Rosen fits a lot more yeah. um, into what they want to do offensively. What's more, Rosen, the only team that Rosen wanted to play for was the Giants. There was discussion last year that he might tell everyone, I'm not going to play for you. If he, I mean, I only want to play for the Giants. I mean, that was shot down pretty quickly, but <clears throat> that's where he wants to be. And I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to be the next Eli, but he probably fits and if they can get him at a bargain rate. If nothing else, it allows them to bring in a guy that can be a placeholder for him for a few years. If he turns out to be a good quarterback, great. If not, they don't have to force a quarterback this year. To me, that's the safest route. I, again, I'm not sure if that's where they go, and we don't know for a fact until the until the cards pull if the Cardinals really are going to take uh, Kyler Murray. But if everything goes chalk the way it looks like it's going to be, I don't think – I don't know. Again, I'm not sold on Locke. I'm not, I'm not sold on uh, Haskins. I think Rosen is a safe way to go. Now, one thing is we don't know what the Broncos are going to do either. There was a lot of talk in Mobile that the Broncos were infatuated with uh, Drew Locke. Now, that was before, I, I believe that was before Flacco came along, before they acquired him. Flacco has been very vocal about not wanting them to bring someone in, but if they're smart, they won't worry about that because who's Joe Flacco at this point in his career? I mean, is he really the long-term answer? So I could see the Broncos taking the quarterback at 10. If they're sold on taking a guy, if they're sold on one of those guys we've talked about, then I think they need to take him at 8. But, again, Rosen's the wild card. If they wind up making a deal and they don't have to, then they've got a lot more uh, you know, of a – I guess they've got a lot more freedom when it comes to what they do with six and, and maybe even what they do with 17. You, you talked about a, a, a bargain deal for Rosen. Give me an example of what a bargain deal would be. Is it like a third-round pick or what? I'd say third round or anything below that, and I I don't have as tips of my fingers how many picks the Giants have in this draft. But, yeah, you know, here's a guy that was – wasn't he top ten last year? If yeah. You got it. One year later, if you got him for a third rounder, I, I tell you that's a good deal. Yeah, see, to me, that's the thing about Haskins or Locke is, you you, you know, you need a quarterback who is ready in twenty twenty, assuming that Eli can hold up in twenty nineteen. Right. And I still, I, I still think Eli has a little bit of gas in the tank, but but we'll see. You you know, you need one by twenty twenty, unless something crazy happens and you give Manning another contract. Um, he's he's a much better bet than Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins in that regard? I think for that, for those prices, he certainly is. And I'll tell you something else. Well, I guess this isn't any more true than if they draft somebody. Someone's going to have to come in and grow with that team. I mean, Eli's got no weapons anymore. Well, I mean, obviously he's got Saquon Barkley. But as far as receivers, he doesn't have a superstar out there. And – so they're going to need to get someone who's willing to come in and be patient and, and grow with the team and all those kind of things. And maybe a Josh Rosen who's not the hot guy anymore and had to struggle last year 
maybe he's the more mature pick. Maybe he's the more mature choice there. All right, you mentioned wide receivers. There's obviously a lot of interest here in Oxford about the two wide receivers from Ole Miss, where they go, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown. <clears throat> I, I've seen anything. I'm, I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at Pro Football Focus. Just I've pulled them up for whatever reason, and they have – A.J. Brown going 17 to the Giants. They have D.K. Metcalf going 19 to the Titans. I've seen uh, I've seen D.K. go anywhere from 15 to the end of the first round. I've seen A.J. go anywhere from, obviously, here 17 to the end of the first round. What do you hear about those two guys? What do you think of those two guys? And in your opinion, just kind of what would be some fits for them? Well, here's uh, – here's, here's – Today's uh, blockbuster uh, prediction for you. I think AJ Brown may go before DK Metcalf. Okay. And I know that that's not anyone. No one. I mean, I'll probably be called crazy by every draft pick out there. But I did. I reached out to again some of my friends that's chatting about uh, a month ago. I guess it was right after the combine. So I guess it was more like two months ago. And I said, "Who's the guy that had a great combine that's getting all kinds of discussion and talk, and everyone's excited about him?" who's not going to go as high as everyone says. And the easy consensus was Metcalf. And it's not because he's not a freak athlete, because he is. It's not because he looks great coming off the bus, because he does. He's not – I mean, he didn't put up the numbers you would predict based off of how good he looks and how fast he ran. And the three-cone and the short shuttle, they matter when it comes to being a wide receiver. you got to be able to get in and out of your breaks. You if you're just going to run fly routes every time, that's one thing, but that's a pretty limited athlete. And um, I think it's fair to say scouts were not as excited as in the media is about Metcalf. And I think some of these mock drafts are going to be a little off when it comes to where he actually goes in the draft. Now, A.J. Brown, I think, is a more complete receiver. And he may not light the lamp as far as, combine and, you know, and and measurables and drills and what have you, but I do think he's a better player, and I think at the end of the day teams are going to want a safer bet. Now, that's not to say some teams going to swing for the fences, and we always talk about some of the more secure GMs and head coaches out there and and uh, that, that can do that kind of thing, but um, so someone may surprise us and take Metcalf early, but I think among NFL evaluators, they're a little nervous about what Metcalf is as a receiver versus what he does, you know, in the underwear Olympics in, in February. Yeah. He, he, you know, some of the knock on him is not fair because some of the injuries that he had are, you know, fluke things. He, he broke a bone in his foot. He suffered a, a right. pretty significant neck injury that he had to come back from, I think, in the Arkansas game. Uh, earlier right. in, in in the season, you know, and that ended up kind of finishing his career. But I get what people are saying. I mean, he, he he's a big target in the red zone. He can really run. He proved that in the underwear Olympics. Um, he there's a lot of, there's a lot in the toolbox there. But the, but you're right. The, the cone drill and the and the shuttle drill matter in that league. And and he does have some questions he has to answer. And he he is. Yeah, not a risk, but he's he's not he's never proven yet that he can be a complete all around wide receiver. Now I personally think he can can be after watching him play in high school and sure. college. Um I mean I think there's a real chance that, that DK Metcalf has not even scratched his potential. 
But you're right in terms of who's the safer pick of those two. I think I think AJ's the safer pick. I think DK may have the higher upside. Yeah, yeah, but he's got a much higher ceiling. We talked about possible fits, and I'm looking at the first round. I could see the Raiders taking him at 27. They last year at least, uh, Gruden proved to be really, really enthralled with combine numbers and uh, drills and you know just raw athleticism. He took a, a player in the second round, a defensive tackle out of SFA, I think, that no one thought he was going to take that early. And this was guys as a workout warrior. So I could see Gruden being a real Metcalf fan. And if he is still around at 27, that's as far as he goes, I think. Now, uh, I mean, they obviously have some real openings for wide receiver, given the fact they traded Amari Cooper and what have you. Um, if he gets past the Raiders somehow, I think the Patriots are a possibility. I mean, they're always looking for someone who can really stretch the field and be a warrior for uh, Tom Brady. It seems like they always miss on wide receivers for whatever reason. But, um, you know, Belichick has been a guy who's kind of rolled the dice on players in the past. He usually comes back to haunt him. But I could see either one of those teams taking him. I don't think, you know, what is what is a slide? I mean, is it, is that, I'm not trying to say he's going out of the first round, but I, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking he could be like a surprise top five guy or something just because he's was such an impressive guy in Indianapolis. And I don't think there's any way that happens. I think he's a much better bet in the second half of the first round than the first half of the first round. All right, you mentioned New England. Is there any chance that at the end of the first round, the champs go, hey? I know our boy's been awfully good for a long time, but Father Time is, is looming here. Do they take, do they take a Drew Locke or a Will Greer or someone like that if they're sitting there at the end of the first round? Well, if Locke slides to 32, I think he makes a lot of sense there. Um, I guess is Daniel Jones the kind of guy they want? I don't know. I I don't. I'm not personally as excited about Daniel Jones is and. I know it's neat because the, the Cutcliffe angle and he's done some good things and what have you, but um, Jones is another guy that really kind of came out of nowhere to some degree, and uh, that's not to say he's not going to go somewhere in the first 50 picks, but I'm not sure that I, he's my next guy after after Brady retires. But I think if Locke makes it, then definitely. and. You know, stranger things have happened. If Haskins makes it to the end of, end of the first round, then definitely. Um, I don't think either one of them do. Again, quarterbacks tend to move up rather than move back on draft day. But if any of those guys slide, then yeah. Now, as far as Greer, I know that he's getting a lot of love lately. And maybe it's not misplaced. I just don't think he's 32. I think that the Patriots, who love to move back anyway, if they decide Greer's their guy, then I think they trade back, try to grab a couple extra picks, maybe in the middle rounds, and then they roll the dice on him. Or or maybe on a Jones or someone like that. But I don't think they use 32 unless it's one of the, the top – unless it's Locker Haskins. I think if, it, if, if Locker Haskins aren't there at 32, then I think they move back before they grab a Jones or a Greer. Okay, um, wasn't that long ago when Greg Little, the offensive tackle at Ole Miss, was considered a top-ten pick? 
Some people talked about him being a top five pick going into his junior year. He didn't have a spectacular season, but he didn't have a bad season either. Most people have him dropping second round, maybe even third round. What do you hear on Little? Where do you think he goes? What what's just kind of what's what are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's a strange one because you're right. He didn't have maybe the season that everyone wanted. I think there's some. I don't know some. I don't know that I call them character issues, but maybe people just don't feel like he. He's as excited about football maybe as he should be. Um, it's really hard to explain because, man, you're right. Going into the season, he was one of the exceptional talents in this class, and everyone was excited about him. I can't see him going past the second round. I mean, but third round would be an incredible value for him, especially given the importance of. Uh, of left tackles in this league and the fact that you could plug him in and he could be there for 10 years. Can he play left I, I tackle think, in the NFL or is, is he going to have to move I think inside? So. I think so. I mean, I think that's why everyone was excited about it. Maybe that's why it's kind of fallen off because there are question marks there. But I think he's got the athleticism to do it. And I think that, um, you know, someone <clears> – it looks like he's going to be one of the values of the draft. I, I believe in him. I think you do too, Neil. I don't think he's going to go first round, but I think he's going to be somewhere probably 50 to 80. And I think whoever gets him is going to be really happy they got him. You know, I mean, I think you and I have talked about it, maybe not on, on, on a podcast, but when you take a guy in the top 10 versus when you take him maybe 80 to 90, sometimes these guys have a bit more of a chip on their shoulder when they're taken late. Sometimes it kind of, uh, foments in their mind that people are doubting them and they're not quite the guy they thought they were. And sometimes that drives them. And you're in a situation where Little's going to slide. And if he slides enough, maybe that turns him into a guy that is a you know, stone cold baller that is he wants to prove it. If he wants to see, he wants to beat all those 31 other teams that let him slide. I mean, I, I think I really, I really do think function of where you're taking the draft is a function of your success sometimes and where you play. And um, so we could see, I mean, Lil could be the kind of guy that slides and winds up being one of the real finds in this draft. And people kind of look back and scratch their heads and say, why did this guy go late second or, or, you know, worst case scenario, even early third. Does Jeffrey Simmons, does the video from when he was coming out of high school, does that impact what happens to him on Thursday night? Not nearly as much as the knee. Um, I think that, you know, I really thought that was going to be an issue, Neil. I really did. I haven't talked to anyone who acts like that's an issue anymore. And I, you know, I think he's done what he's needed to do, what he what he has need, yeah, what he needed to do. I think that Ole Miss went to bat. I'm sorry, Mississippi I think, State. I think Mississippi State went to bat for him. Um, I think that it's far enough behind him that there are a lot of people that were making a big deal about it, and they didn't need to. You know, to my knowledge, I mean, we, we pursued Simmons. You know, we do interview prep. We pursued him to try to help him with the interview process. And um, they they did, I don't, to my knowledge, they didn't use anybody. I could be wrong about that. But he went to the combine, and we're not hearing now that teams came away and said, we're taking him off our board. This guy's an idiot. I think he really has answered all those questions. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have, would not have predicted that. Even, you know, two months ago, three months ago, but it looks like that has been 
uh, taken away as a consideration. There are probably a few teams that have taken them off their boards because they're being ultra-conservative, but I think he makes it into the first round despite the fact that you know, there's a lot. I don't know how long. I haven't, I haven't looked, and maybe you have. I, I don't know what the long-term prognosis is on his knee. I don't know if he's a guy that they could pop or if he's like a, a straight-to-injured-reserve kind of guy for, for year one. But um, that's the major ding at this point. I mean, he's a player. He really is an impact guy who looks like he can step right in and be a factor quickly. What are your uh, What are your Saints going to do? Mm. Sixty-two. You know, <laughs> I, I I mean, I'll tell you what I hope they do. I mean, I will. I, I would love for them to take a receiver. If Brown is available at sixty-two, I will be elated. Um, you know. What they did in you know, there's no way no way AJ Brown's available at 62 though right Neil you never we never know we never know yeah. I don't probably not no he, that it would make sense I mean I'd be surprised that he makes it past 50 but you know then again the Saints are always a team that likes to move up they always say oh we don't have anything to trade up with you know what are we going to do and then they always do um, I would love to see him take a right receiver. No one is talking about the fact that they don't really have a money swing tackle anymore. I mean, they're starting their tackles. And if you've got Toronto Armstead on your team, you better have a guy that's going to be able to play five or six weeks and be reliable because he's only going to play 11 games. Um, I would love it if they you know, found someone that they could maybe be groomed to uh, replace Armstead. I don't know how much longer he's going to play. Um, I'd love it if they could take – if there was some kind of an impact rush in I'd love it. I'm still not positive on Soul on Davenport. I, I like the direction he's going, but I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, really, any kind of impact defensive player is, is something that you need, but I, it, it helps that they've got the tight end now. I think that can help take some heat off of Michael Thomas, but I would be happier if they had another wide receiver. Um, and then, you know, any kind, any help on defensive line I think is going to be major. And you've got to protect Drew Brees. We got him for what one year, maybe two more years. And there's got to be, we got to always be stocking, loading that cannon, man. We got to keep that offensive line strong up front because he's so so important. Let me ask you about another couple of Ole Miss guys that that they're they're not going night one, obviously, and they're probably not going on the second day. But but they, I assume they're going to go later in the draft to Marcus Lodge, a wide receiver who I'm super high on and have been for a couple of years, and then uh, Dawson Knox who. Certainly looks the part. Had a uh, had had a great pro day, from all accounts. Um, did well in Indianapolis, despite the fact that he was kind of nursing an injury, uh, but yet didn't have a lot of production at Ole Miss. And a lot of that, I think, was based on the system that that he played in. What do you hear about those two guys? Knox is an exciting player, and and he's a guy that I think is probably going to go. I don't. There's no way he makes it out of day two. I don't. Um, even the, despite the fact that tight end is loaded this year. Um, he's got – you mentioned the tools and the testing ability and what have you. I don't. I think he's a guy that his best football is in front of him. And um, I think he's going to be – I think he could be a real nice player for a lot of teams. Uh, we'll see exactly, you know, where he goes. And I don't have any, I don't have any specific insights on who's going to take him and where he's going to go, but I think – he definitely goes in those top 100 picks. Uh, Lodge, 
I think is solid. Don't know as much about him. He's probably mid to late somewhere on Saturday, I would guess. But um, you know, again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as sure about him. I'm not as sold on him maybe as you are. Uh, I think he's a solid player. Uh, we'll see. We'll see on that. The sexy pick right now, everybody is is the Cleveland Browns. They go out and get uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and um, they've got Baker Mayfield and and all that stuff. Is are are people jumping in on the Browns way too early? <clears throat> well, I don't know. I mean, they. I'm a big fan of John Dorsey. I think when when they hired him as GM, I had a good feeling about the direction they were going. They've got a really well stocked front office. Uh, Alonzo Highsmith is as good at evaluating talent as anyone is in the league. If they don't, I think they've got the ammo to certainly make the playoffs and maybe make a two-round uh, run. I don't know that – I mean, if we're talking about Super Bowl, yeah, I think that's that's premature. But I do think they're going to be – they're going to win. I think they're in a, uh, a division right now where they can win. I think the Bengals are down a little bit. I think the Ravens are kind of on the fence. Uh, they've got some good things going for them, but I don't think they're – necessarily, I don't know, I'm still not sure Lamar Jackson is going to be able to take that next step. We'll see. Steelers are in disarray to some degree. Um, now is a good time to be a Browns fan. Um, but I don't, if we're talking Super Bowl, if we're talking about that kind of level, no. Uh, if we're talking about good, solid team that can be dangerous and maybe make it past the wild card round and perhaps perhaps pass a divisional round, maybe, but I just don't see him going to the Super Bowl, not yet. A couple of teams that uh, that come to mind, I bring this up because my son Carson, uh, largely because his dad sort of jokingly adopted the Bears last year. Carson got really into the Bears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he wants to go see Bears and Chiefs into the season at, uh, at Soldier Field. What are the chances that one or both of those teams is, is playing in the Super Bowl six weeks later? I really expected the Bears to go farther than – I mean, I, I didn't expect them to lose on the first round last year. I think they've got a, a very nice team. I'm not necessarily sold on the quarterback yet, but I'm sold on the defense, and they've got a lot of nice pieces. And if they have a good weekend, then, yeah, I could see them. They could be the NFC's representative for uh, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely possible. Chiefs, gosh, uh, I mean, I I think a lot of people, including myself, were surprised that they they didn't go to the Super Bowl. I guess when you're facing Tom Brady, you know uh, that's that's a difficult proposition any any time. But they've got a great team and they've got a, got a lot of great energy. Um, I think uh, maybe defensively they're not quite there yet, but wow. You know, they can put up points pretty much at will. Um, we'll have to see what the Tyree, how the Tyreek Hill situation is resolved. That's still a bit of a wild card. We'll have to see if they can continue to be successful in their ground game as they were you know, kind of late in the season. But, yeah, I could see both of those teams being a Super Bowl. If you're the Chiefs, they're at 29. Do you do you go secondary? Do you go defensive line? What do you what are you what are you trying to pick up to bolster your defense a little bit? I think they probably want to look defensive line, especially losing D Ford. Um, that's probably where I would start. But it's never a bad idea. I mean, 
there's almost no team that couldn't take a court, a cornerback and be happy about it because it's such a passing league now. And you got to be three deep at corner these days. You've always got to have that guy that can not necessarily lock down a part of the field, but can cover the slot or at least you know, help you so that you're not giving up the bombs and the deep balls all the time. And um, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd go D-line, but it's, like I say, it's never a bad idea to restock your secondary. All right, last question, kind of a loaded one. This this draft five years from now is remembered as the draft that what? Oh, boy. <clears throat> um, I mean, if, I you, I if, if you believe in Kyler Murray, the answer is this is the draft that is remembered as the Cardinals change their franchise and maybe change the way people yeah. view the quarterback position. If you don't believe in yeah. Kyler Murray, it's something different. Yeah. I'm not ready to, to pin it all on Murray. Right now, to me, possibly, this could be the draft that's remembered among deep of the linemen the way the, what, 85 draft or whatever it was, drafted, you know, remember, remember for quarter, quarterbacks the year that yeah. Elway and Marino and all those guys. I mean, there's so many impressive defensive linemen in this draft. You almost can't lose if that's what you're looking for. And there's going to be a couple of those guys that slide and could be real impact players for a team sometime you know, somewhere in the second round. But they're, you know, between Williams and Allen and Bosa and, I mean, well, White's on the line in the tournament, but Oliver and uh, all the Clemson kids. Tillery. I mean, Brian Burns and no one's really talking about. So many impact players on the defensive line, it's, you know, it's, it's almost shocking. And if even half of them work out from the way they're, they're, they're you know, supposed to, then this, that, that is probably going to be the identity of this draft in five years. Neil, as always, man, it's great to uh, visit with you. I hope you enjoy the draft. I'll certainly be uh, looking for some of your insights on draft night and throughout the weekend. So thanks for the time. Looking forward to it, man. Yeah, I hope everyone out there enjoys the draft. And, um, you yeah, know, it's a lot of fun as always. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. Our thanks to Neil. Um, that does it for this edition of the Beer Garden. We'll come back. We're going to tape another one uh, next Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll review the, uh, the NFL draft. We'll talk to Neil Stratton again, get his thoughts on who won, who lost, and take a look uh, at where teams go from there. We'll start t- getting a, a – a little bit of a look ahead to the NFL season. And uh, Oya, a basketball playoff show. We'll, so we'll, we'll try to get a guest on to talk some NBA playoffs. We'll be well into the second round by uh, this time next week. So until then, thanks again to Neil Stratton. Thanks to everybody for listening to The Beer Garden, presented by Oxford Crystal. Until next week, take care.